to season five of One Day You'll Thank Me, a podcast for smart parents. I'm Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. I'm a mom, a therapist, a parent coach, and an author. And I'm a daughter and a kick-ass high school student. Each week, we'll discuss a different parenting topic. And we'll interview some amazing guest experts. Our goal is to provide an interesting informational resource for busy parents. While also offering the perspective of a teen. Stay tuned, everyone. Crushed it. Welcome back to One Day You'll Thank Me. My name is Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. Mother-daughter team. Yes. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Superheroes. Woohoo! So we're back for another episode where we are interviewing mm-hmm. guest experts. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit sweaty because I was worried I wasn't going to make this interview in time I because I sat in traffic. <laughs> you were texting me like, be ready when I get home. I'm running late. The traffic's horrible. And I didn't even leave later than I hope or than I planned to. But I left earlier than I normally do, so the traffic was worse. And then I was nervous that we were going to be late, and I don't like to be late. But we weren't, me. so it's no, okay. it worked out. It worked out. Anyway, this is going to be an episode where we're going to talk about divorce, mm-hmm. which you know, I always have mixed feelings about having you be included in mm-hmm. some of these episodes because you obviously have experienced divorce with your parents. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want it to be like something that we go on and on and on about in front of you. Right. But what's really cool about this interview is we're actually interviewing another mother daughter team. Yes. So we've never done that. before. We've never done it. Both are grownups. So Mm -hmm. it's not like a teenager and a grownup. It's two grownups. Right. So let's take a sec and we will, I'm going to tell you a little bit of information about these ladies. And we're also really here to get to know more information about their book because it's a fantastic resource for parents, for clinicians. The book is called My Parents Are Getting a Divorce. I Wonder What Will Happen to Me. And it's an interactive discussion book for children ages 4 to 12. And the authors are our guests today. So Karen Kay and Hera Wachholder. And they are both therapists. They do not work in the same practice. I was very curious about that because, you know, I harbor secret fantasies Mm -hmm. of you and I taking the podcast into the mental health field. Yeah, I know. You've told me about these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could happen. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But let me tell you about Karen and Hera. So they're both therapists. They're a mother-daughter team, and they've gone through this process both personally and professionally. So Karen, who's the mom, has experienced divorce herself, and this book makes you know refers back to, to their story. And basically, you know, Karen in her quest to keep her own child out of the middle of her divorce when Hera was young. You know, she she's sharing some of her insights with us. And Karen has been in private practice in Weston, Florida for like 40 years, something like that, I think she said. And then Hera is the clinical director of a family therapy center that's located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so if you visit Karen's website, you can visit Karen K therapist.com and learn more about Karen K. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys to come behind the on the other side of the wall here and tell us like, is there a certain website that you have for your, for your book? Cause I feel like your Instagram page is specific to your book. So share that. So I don't mess that up. Absolutely. So we have our book website, www.imstillmebook.com. 
Okay. And then you have your Instagram page, which is how I found you Mm -hmm. was we are, we are friends on Instagram. Yes. Okay. The power of social media. Man, it is. That's how how we get these good guests. So, Mm -hmm. well, thank you ladies and fellow therapists for being here with us today. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Now, as we get started with this interview, I always like to have guests share a little bit of their story on what, you know, led to you being therapists generally. And then also, and I know I kind of alluded to the fact that this is, you know, so linked to your own story, you know, what led you to write this book and feel inspired to actually go ahead and record it for all of all mankind. I'm the mom. I'm Karen. I'm a therapist in private practice. The story starts with me. I think that I've always been a therapist. I remember being five years old and my parents thought I was weird (laughs) because I kept looking around the room to see how people related. And when I would be asking questions, like, I wonder how this one feels about this one. So I was sort of born a therapist and then I got trained. So the story of the back, you know, the back part of the group of the book is that when Hera, So I got divorced when Hera was around two and her father quickly went to another family, which was a very big problem for me because of her age, of her understanding, like who her mom was and who all these people were. So it's very difficult when your child is still, you know, like coming out of diapers. My job was really like, a mom, a protector, a therapist. I was trying to get her to be okay through this bridge that happened way too quickly. So her father decided to go for custody when she was 10 years old. And that was terrifying to me. And so the book came from me saying, after about a year of battle, that if I can help anyone go through this a little easier than I did, I want to help. Because not only am I a mom, and hopefully I took good care of Hera in those wee years so that we could go through this less harmed, let's say. We're always harmed, but hopefully it won't have everlasting, you know, fallout. So it was my promise to myself and the higher being that if I could keep her, I was going to write this book. And the words just came to me. I'm very spiritual. And the words of the affirmation in the book, which says, I'm still me, was the only part I received of what this book was about. And then I had to restructure what this would look like to end each chapter in that affirmation. And I think that's what makes it so special because we talk in the book about how these children are going to be pulled apart, no matter what it looks like. But at at each chapter, at the end of the chapter, I'm hoping children can remember to be put back together and to help themselves get out of the middle, even if the parents aren't educated enough to do so. Now, what role, Hera, did your dad end up playing in your life? I mean, your mom says, okay, he was going for custody. Did you have contact with him and have a relationship with him? I had contact with my father, but it was very different when I was younger. As 
like my mom said, he already had this new family and I just never felt like I fit in, you know, even from such a young age, you know, I, I got close to, you know, my half sister and my stepsisters, but I just always felt like when I would go to visit there, they had this whole life and I was just visiting for a day or so. And, you know, I hear about all the different things that they were doing with my dad and I had really no relationship with him outside of, you know, the brief moments when I saw him. I will say in in a beautiful twist of events, you know, we recently had a book signing last year and it was pretty cathartic for me because during the pandemic, my father and I have worked on rebuilding our relationship, which I honestly never thought would be possible. I thought it was just too far gone and strained and we've been working on it. And it was pretty cathartic for me to be at this book signing and have my mother on one side of the table with me and my father beside me and showing up to support our book about (laughs) the divorce between him and my mom. And, you know, when I was younger, I was always on edge about them being in the same room together or even communicating with one another because of that high conflict between them. So having them in the same room where they got along, they actually, you know, complimented one another. You kind of sit there like, oh my gosh, (laughs) it it was just, I I never could really picture it. So it was pretty, you know, this book in itself was very cathartic for me in all the different stages of my life. Being able to be a part of this project with my mom really brought us closer together. And it, it just made me feel more comfortable within my own skin you know, and, and more confident in my abilities to help other children that went through what I went through. And I, I, I'd like to believe that, you know, the people that receive this book for their children, that they're going to walk away from that with, with a better understanding of how to help keep their children whole instead of maybe spreading them too thin or, or, you know, dragging them from one home to the other, or, you know, not being on the same page co-parenting wise and, make an impact. That's why I became a therapist originally was I saw, you know, my mom being a single parent when I was younger, I would be sitting in her office, you know, the lobby area, and I would see people coming in distraught. They'd walk into her office. And when they came out, they were all calm. And I was like, what's, (laughs) you know, what sorcery is this? I want to do that. And I I've always wanted to help people. I just didn't know I'd follow in her footsteps as a therapist. Okay. So I'd like to add, this was a 20-year process, Mm -hmm. so we're very close to this book on a personal level and a professional level, and I think that's why people will gain so much from the book, because not only is it our personal story that we're willing to share, but it's also how we see it now professionally and how we help others so I have the, the ability of, of adding. So my daughter is now 33, but a 10-year-old being my daughter actually gave me her thoughts. An 11-year-old, a 15-year-old, just periodically we would. So this is so encompassing that I feel really proud of the work. And what was upsetting slash terrifying slash healing for me is that I finally heard some of her story through writing the book that I never knew because she was too afraid to tell me because she knew it was going to start another battle. 
And, you know, I learned over the years to pick my battles. I didn't want to go in and out of lawyers' offices, and I only did it when I had to. It let me understand her better and the journey she went through that I couldn't be part of. A cute thing that I did that I would love parents to do with young children who come home from the other houses. It's like a bridge over troubled waters. You know, here this kid is being, you know, is one thing at mom's house and another person at dad's house. So I gave her time to segue into the environment because we're not packing our bags. You know, they are. And my child was so tiny. So it was just like I would say to her, give me the garbage or whatever you need to do and to let go of whatever happened there. And she would just throw her hands to me and give it to me physically. And then one day she says to me, probably about eight years old as she was starting to get it, she would throw the garbage to me of whatever she was holding on to. And she goes, mom, don't hold on to the garbage. Let's throw it out the window. (laughs) So she was always insightful. And I really appreciated that. Helped us gain a very wonderful relationship. Yeah. I think sometimes you know, we have that perspective from as therapists, like, you know, I, I, I'm not a child of divorce, but my children have a very involved dad and, you know, 50, 50 custody, which is obviously very different from your circumstance, Hera. And so I think, you know, the perspective you get as a parent of divorce, when you have a parent who is, you know, super involved. Maybe they're doing a great job. Maybe they're not doing a great job. Maybe they have ebbs and flows as far as, you know, your perspective or whatever on how they parent versus somebody who's really absent and you're not having to consult them, but you're also not having somebody to bounce the parenting ideas off of. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be such a different experience. And then there's kids who have a strong relationship with the parent or both parents and others where it's much weaker or it's fractured. And sometimes it's very, very related to the divorce. And sometimes it's not so much related to the divorce and it's more a product of how that parent, you know, communicates or nurtures that child. And it's not that they're completely separate, but it's like, "Mm, if we were still married, you know, or if this couple were still married, would there still be this level of stress in the the parent-child relationship because this is a parent who does have a hard time sort of understanding or accepting that child or or being emotionally responsive, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes, you know, there's just such various angles that... You bring up a topic, Tara, that's near and dear to my heart as a therapist because I think a lot of people in their own pain as they're going through divorce introduce their children to too many people. You know, anyone coming in and out of your life should not necessarily meet your child or your children until there's something significant going on. And that's from both sides because these kids are getting inundated with all these new experiences from both sides, you know, and it it makes it very difficult for the kid to know who's who or what's what, or what kind of relationship am I allowed to have with this person which is one of the chapters of our book and what kind of relationship am I allowed with my other parent? Mm -hmm. Now tell us your, your thoughts, you know, your advice on what parents can do to ease kids into the transition 
you know, the going back and forth, like what can we do to create a soft landing for kids when they transition? I think first of all, it's important to have conversations with kids about the situation in an age appropriate way, because what I've noticed in working with families going through a divorce, they tend to want to discuss things in private and these kids have no idea what's going on, but they, they know something's happening and they're more frustrated that no one's really telling me anything and I'm confused and I'm unsure and I'm angry and I'm frustrated. So I think the very first thing is to sit them down and, you know, first parents need to reflect on, you know, the rules of the house, what's going to change, what's going to be different, which is how we base the book is the goal is for the parents to read through this book first, to be able to answer these questions and reflect from a place of clarity rather than anger or that reactivity that comes with it. And neutrality. Right. So to bring that neutral front, but, you know, kids, and I talk about this a lot, kids see probably more than parents see. You know, just because they're not saying anything doesn't mean that they don't understand what's going on, that they don't see or hear things that are going on. I mean, I was very young, but I can tell you, I can recall a lot of things that people said, there's no way I could remember that being as young as I was, but, you know, it stayed with me. And if no one talks about these things, it really does impact your own well-being and it impacts your view of yourself and your worthiness. So really like parents need to first figure out, you know, how am I approaching this? And then they need to sit down and have this conversation with their children. I always ask, you know, if you're not having that conversation, who is right. And and how is that conversation playing out? And are we giving a voice to the children to let them share their concerns? You know, I, I always wanted to make sure that I felt supported and, That if I was concerned about something, you know, at first it sounded great. I get double the birthdays, double the holidays, double this and that. It was exhausting. I I wanted this, this dream of mine was to be able to have birthdays where everyone was there. And sometimes we did that, but boy, that that didn't go over well, but it's like, I wanted to feel less fragmented and more whole. And it could have been these little changes that were made that I would have felt like, okay, despite all this going on, I feel a little bit better about who I am and what's going on. And I can't speak for all the kids, but I can say from my perspective that no matter how many times I was told it's not your fault, I still felt like it was, you know? So really what I would love for parents to do is give their children the time to reflect and and to share how they're feeling, which is why we made this interactive. Growing up, I read through a lot of books for kids going through divorce, and they would say things like, by now you should be feeling this way. And it would make me more frustrated that they were telling me how I should be feeling. And that's why I really wanted to make sure that this was interactive, where the kids can fill it in and say, this is how I'm feeling. This applies to everyone and it meets them where they're at rather than telling them they have to feel a certain way. I think that this is Karen, the mom talking. I think that not saying anything is about the worst you can do because the children can feel it and it makes them really awfulize what's going on by not knowing. So to this book is the is for a parent to read to find out where they are first. They have to be grounded. 
But this is a fabulous way of sitting down and there needs to be a little bit of an intro before you go to the book where the parents say, we're no longer living together. And you may have noticed us fighting more. And the book will ask questions like that. But we're still going to be in your life. And we want to know what this does to you. And this book is helpful, not only to bring up topics, but in the a lot of times at the end of each chapter, we'll say, do you as a child have any other questions for your parents? And it's a safe place because it's structured. I want to bring attention to like just a page I'm looking at because I'm holding the book right now, because when you describe it as being interactive, so for example, it says my mom and dad are getting a divorce. I wonder what will change for me. And there's really some cute illustrations. And I see that the illustrator is Samuel Wilson is the artist who created the images, but it says, my mom and dad are getting a divorce. I wonder what will change for me. Changes can be scary or maybe changes just take time getting used to. What do I think will change? Where will I live? Who will I live with? What about my brothers and sisters? Where will I go to school? When will I see my mom? When will I see my dad? What about my pets? When will I see my friends? So when you said, you know, parents reading through it first and getting oriented and maybe having an idea of what questions could be expected so that they can give answers, you know, give answers to the questions they do know and think about the ones they're not sure of yet and how to convey that to kids that like, hey, we're still working that out versus a kid thinking like they know and they're just keeping it secret. And I would love for them, Tara, to ask their child really what they want, depending on the age, you know, that the child has some say so of how their life will be changed because every child reacts differently. You know, I don't know how well my daughter would have done 50, 50. That's a lot of shifting. You know, some kids want to stay at home, one home for the week and see the other parent on the weekends you know, especially if a, ch- a parent isn't involved with the school, I would love the lawyers and mediators to have an understanding because in these divorces, they're actually representing the children and they don't know the children. They haven't spoken to the children. Legally, they can't speak to the children. So giving them some awareness of what's going on. And remember, our book is just a beginning. The discussions should get deeper and longer and more specific. This is a way of breaking the ice. And I I would hope that a therapist would use this in their office as well, because it's very thorough and the therapist would end up knowing a whole lot more of the big picture of where this child lives. Yeah. Now, Anna, when you hear all this and you think of things like you know, roll back in your mind the experience mm-hmm. of us. Like, what do you think of? When we talk about this, I think of like my younger days when I was little and I had my brother with me and like like all the changes that happened because, you know, both my parents got remarried and then I had a little sister and there was a lot of like house changing and new people coming into my life and just all those different things. And Like, I think back and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did I handle that? Like, there must have been so much going on in my head. And like, it's crazy to think about like, 
especially now being older and, you know, having the freedom to drive and I don't have to worry about those, like, having mom drive me, have dad drive me, have, like, yeah, have us remember your stuff. Yeah, like, you like, take care of all exactly. that. Exactly. And so, like, I think back to when, like, I had friends at dad's house and I had friends at mom's house and they didn't really cross paths. And I had, like, separate birthdays and I had the family on dad's side and the family on mom's side. And, like, when we would go to my brother's baseball games and, like, those two worlds, like, colliding a little bit, it was like, what is going on? This is not right. Like, yeah. Or I, times when like, your dad and I were in the same room due to, like, a doctor's appointment. Yeah, like – I swear, it's like, you know, like those episodes where they have like other characters from other shows coming into like the different, like the other show. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, what? <laughs> what do but they like, call that? It's when like, you do that? Uh, heard, like on Grey's Anatomy when like the, the crossover episode. The crossover, yeah, the crossover episode. episode. <laughs> That's what it, and like, I, I just remember like being so like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was very stressful and just, I feel like it was more stressful than I let it be to me i think or, or that you, you recognize yeah now maybe how stressful it probably yeah. was and so it's just crazy to think about like how like probably different my life was than other you know nine-year-olds at the time well you like we that. we split up it when you were first grader yes and oh, no, were, i thought i was in kindergarten no you would know i don't know why i was thinking well you were five and a half and <laughs> right. your brother was three and a half so mm-hmm. yeah so you were you turned five you went to kindergarten and then we split up at Christmas. Mm. And so, and then, you know, obviously we've had all sorts of changes because now it's like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like 12 years later. I'm 17. Yeah, you're right. Well, I was thinking of like <laughs> legal divorce date oh, versus. Well <laughs> yeah, right. Like legal divorce date versus separation date. You're right. Right. And then, and then of course your brother was involved. And so he have, may have like a completely different perspective and even mm-hmm. your relationships. Like when you look at your brother's relationship with like me and your dad and your relationship with your dad and your relationship with me, like those are very different. Very different. Yes. And even though. You know, there was a lot of experiences you both experienced. When even me and my brother's relationship was impacted. Mm-hmm. You well, guys are pretty close. We are very close, but I think that we're close because of it. Yeah. You guys always had each other, regardless mm-hmm. of which parent's house you were at. Yeah. My poor child did not. <laughs> I, yeah. I wished I had a second child to send. I, I'd like to ask Anna a few questions, but looking back now, do you do you feel like it's improve the outlook you have of yourself and everything that you went through? Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely like, I'm like, wow, I handled that so well. So responsible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, but- so let's talk about that for a second. So one of the things, the risks that we have with kids when their parents are acting like turds is mm-hmm. that kids get <laughs> parentified where they yeah. end up having to take on roles. Well, I remember are- like I've had other parents tell me they're like, you sh- like, I remember someone asked me, they're like, oh, like, this was when I was, like, maybe seventh grade or whatever. And they would, like, ask me, like, and kind of like, so what do you think about your future or schools or, like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would, like, say more, like, mature things. Be like, well, it depends on my living situation and the kind of world of my – like, I would do it. And they're like, oh, you're not like- supposed to answer this like an adult. You're supposed to answer this like a seventh grader. No, I you just say firefighter. Yeah. <laughs> Also answer it like you, Anna. And I think what our girls have, Tara, if there is anything good out of all of this, and I think there is, it's the ability to adapt and still hopefully find or keep your core values. 
And that's what that line is, but I'm still me. Now me will evolve, hopefully. And truthfully, I think I've seen in most people that the the childhood traumas show up a little bit later when they're thinking of love relationships and marriages and things like that. That's going to show up a lot more then, and you'll know how well you did at that point. And the good news is there's help out there called therapy. Your true damage hasn't been revealed yet, Anna. (laughs) (laughs) She does have, can I mention you have a boyfriend? You already did. You already did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just, it was my passive aggressive way of Mm. bringing it up. The world knows now. The world knows. I think I mentioned it once before. Mm. I mentioned you had a prom date. Yeah. So my prom date. He's tended. graduated to a boyfriend. Yes. Okay. okay Upgraded. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, like, but you're right. I mean, there, there's one thing for her to navigate her relationship with her parents. And then, you know, you kind of go to this whole different domain of, I mean, I even think about friendships too. Like those are different. Like I think those have been impacted. Yeah. Cause definitely I remember being little and having like, so-and-so wants to hang out, but I'm at my dad's house and they're a mom's friend. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, I'm not allowed to be friends with you every other week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That is so yeah. true. And then I think of your, you know, I think of your, your brother and how one of the things I think I did right, and I hope, I hope that this pans out to be a truthful thing, is I feel like I've always encouraged the kids to have an independent relationship with their parents. So just because one kid might be struggling with the relationship with, let's say their dad, it doesn't mean the other sibling needs to like, be like, well, I'm upset too. And, you know, like I've really tried to tell them like, you're different people, you know, you're, you're, you're boy versus girl, you're younger versus older, you know what I mean? Like, and it's okay to just create a relationship with your parent that feels genuine to you versus I see a lot of times in my work, you know, as a therapist where one sibling is struggling and the rest feel like they have to have that same degree of angst out of loyalty. Like we got to stick together. If you're mad at dad, I'm mad at dad. And that can be really a difficult thing to navigate. Whereas I'm like, no, 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 you do you doesn't mean you can't talk to each other or whatever, but don't take it on as your journey too. I also see, Tara, that our girls are very deep, analytical thinkers. And I wonder if it makes it difficult to be friends with children or, or in my daughter's uh, uh, life now as an adult to find people that have the depth and the awareness that someone having gone through a divorce carries with people who have not gone through that, there's a definite different maturity factor because you have to grow up and take better care of yourself to be able to go through that bridge between parents' houses and adapt. So I'm kind of saying that to both girls. It makes it maybe a little bit more difficult to find friends on the same level of awareness that would understand who you are and where you came from. Yeah. I want to hear from these young ladies here, what they think about that. Well, Anna, I saw you nodding first, so you can, you can, <laughs> you can volunteer. <laughs> well, I just think about like the maturity levels. Cause I remember, I feel like we've talked about this before, like being younger and just being like, 
not wanting the friends that are just like friends for a week and then we move on to other friends. Like I've always wanted friends to be friends for a while, like to have loyal. a yeah, loyal, have a good connection, have a good friendship base to like we can build on each other and you know, grow together and But you're also kind of reserved. Like I have to yeah. tell you sometimes like you need to be a little <laughs> bit more vulnerable in this relationship whether it's Pass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, delete. Yeah. <laughs> Let's edit out this section. It's crap. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell her that because I know she wants that on the one hand, mm-hmm. but then, it, you know, she's also seen relationships go very wrong. <laughs> so I think that, that sometimes you struggle to get to that place. Yeah. Like I'll say it and I'll be like, yeah, that'd be great. And then <laughs> I just don't actually get there. But yeah. I just remember like maturity level going out throughout school and stuff and having to try to like like one of my best friends her parents are divorced as well and so she we she's actually the next door neighbor to my dad and so like her schedule was different than my schedule because her parents had 50 52 and so like we had to balance that stuff out too and like we had to be much she's also a year well our birthdays are only a few months like away from each other but she's a year like a grade level younger than me so then we had to like balance that stuff because like at one point I was in high school and she was still in middle school. And so like I remember she's been a very like good person to lean on because we both could relate about divorce. What about you, Hera? I will say when I was younger, one of the biggest turning points for me was when I was in elementary school, the guidance counselor had developed a program, a support group for kids that were going through their parents' divorce. And it still was, you know, I, I grew up in, in the nineties and it was still kind of taboo where it wasn't really talked about, or, you know, you don't really say much about divorce at that time. And I thought it was pretty amazing that we would, well, I also like that I got pulled out of class, you know, so that was, there's, there's no harm in that, but they would pull us from class and we would all get together. And, you know, I felt like such a misfit for a while because I didn't know many people went many kids that went through what I went through and I didn't feel like I had anyone to relate to. So when I started attending that support group, it, it really changed my life and seeing I'm not alone. A lot of kids get what I'm going through. And I made friendships through there that we even, one of the kids that was part of it became a good friend of mine for quite a while. And we would go to each other's houses and you know, knowing that we both came from that background where we, where we understood some of the things that no one else could relate to, it felt really nice. And as I got older, I think it just meant a lot for me to know that I could feel more comfortable with myself and, and say things, even if I wasn't sure if someone could relate to me or not, that I just felt like it was something I needed to say. And that kind of boosted my, my self-esteem to feel comfortable with saying those things. You know, and then when you get older, you do start to put value on a lot of different things you don't think about when you're in it, when you're in it in the moment. And I'd say one of the biggest things is how resilient I became through through all those years. Mm-hmm. And that I knew as soon as something knocked me down, I'd have to get back up and and push through it and and make sure I took better care of myself and learning to do self-care. You know, I remember being you know, I I remember being much younger. I was, I was really little. And I remember walking up to my dad and saying, dad, you're supposed to hold my hand across the street. You know, like I would walk him through that and be like, Hey, remember, or he would put on a scary movie. And I'd say, you know, this is, 
this is too scary for me. I'm I'm seven and I, I don't want to see this movie. So, or hey dad, I'm I'm not supposed to have candy this earlier. <laughs> I have a- but I think it's important because you know Which I just want to point out dad love dads love it when kids come from mom's house right. and tell them and correct their parenting. I'm sure that was the highlight yeah, of his sure visits with you. They want to hear. But <laughs> You know, but that just goes to show, you know, I didn't have that 50-50 split. So I'd actually be really interested in hearing what that was like. But I did have where I had all the same friends and and all these things going on. And I was with my dad for the weekend. And it kind of sucked because my friends would plan things over the weekend and I couldn't always go. Well, that's what you know, saying, and, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. then I would do all like the the hard work while I'm at home because I knew going over to my dad's house for the weekend, I'd need to have my homework done because I wouldn't be able to focus when I left my home. Like I had my desk, I had my area. And when I would go there, I didn't really feel like I had a place to do my work. So I noticed from a young age, I was compartmentalizing without realizing it. Like, this is where I do my work. (laughs) This is where I go and have fun. This is where I have to be serious. This is so, you know, as I got older and like you said, the, the day you, you get to drive and do your own thing, it was like, I get to choose. Like I, I get to go and, and just drive and see my friends. I get to say, (laughs) Hey dad, instead of Saturday, I'm going to come Sunday so that I can spend time with my friends on Saturday. It's this whole new freedom that I, I never knew what that felt like. And I think when it comes to maturity level, it wasn't just about that delving deeper part. It was more of no one could really understand <laughs> all the compartmentalizing that went into it. Well, they're not going to think about, is this your mother's weekend or your father's weekend? They're not going to part of that. Or think of the kids who have to have a different cell phone at each house. And they have a different phone number where kids have to be like, wow. oh, I'm, I didn't even think about that. I'm at the 704 wow. number. I'm at the 980 number or whatever. And what happens, because I work with the high conflict parents is we have, you know, every phone has a, has a GPS on it. So we have, you know, whatever dad has access to that GPS. And then he's watching the kid when they're with mom. And then he's like, Hey, why are you guys at a, at a movie at nine 30 at night? Or you know, that doesn't seem like a good decision your mother's making right now. Or, you know, I see that you're, you know, at Target, we talked about how you're spending too much of the money you're earning after school. Like, you know, so then the mom's like, forget it. You can't bring your dad's phone to my house and have him, you know, micromanage or, or criticize or whatever. And obviously that could be solved if parents used the privilege of knowing where their kids are appropriately. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And so there's really complicated kind of grown-up factors that end up impacting kids really significantly. And then parents are kind of having to weigh, okay, is the stress of having two phones greater than the stress of, you know, having this commentary come from the other parent? And sometimes it has to be a grown-up decision and the kids don't necessarily understand all the nuances of it. And you know, and then that kid grows up and thinks, God, it was complete crap that I had to have, you know, two phones. I became aware of this, Tara, myself. And I do believe that's what we're talking about. In that case, children are being pulled apart. And and I think parents should try to become more a part of their child's life than their child has to become a part of their mm. life and think and feel about what this is like for their kids. Put yourself in their shoes. And I noted it regarding Hera 
when I got mad at her when she was, I guess, about nine years old, that for whatever reason, I, I had to keep going to Hera and say, make sure you've done your homework, you know, Sunday night before you come home. And because she'd come home, you know, somewhere eight, nine, 10 o'clock and her bedtime was like eight and she was exhausted. And I'd, I would, I would, it would tear my heart out on a Sunday night at nine and 10 o'clock at night. And her father couldn't see her, you know, watching this kid like cry into the book. She was so tired and couldn't get her work done. And she was a high performance kind of kid that expected a lot about her, you know, from herself. And you really have to put yourself Mm. in your kid's shoes. In this case, that's how we decided you'll never do homework at dad's house, get it done before you go. You know, you have to outsmart the lack of system and try to prepare them for what might come later that isn't going to help them at all. Well, I think you bring up a really good point, a very important point is, you know, a lot of children going through their parents' divorce, we all tend to develop such tendencies as people pleasing, the perfectionistic tendencies, as Anna nods her head in a group. (laughs) We've done episodes on people pleasing and high performing anxiety. (laughs) You know, people would think that my parents are like sitting there like with a ruler telling me you better get all A's. And it was me. I did not allow myself to get anything less than an A plus. God forbid it was an A minus, I would lose it. But that was all me. It was I think when we're young, so, so young, when it first starts out, it's like, maybe if I worked harder, maybe if I was so amazing and perfect that I'd be loved and I wouldn't have to go through this because kids, they, they don't realize everything that led up to that moment. They're just seeing my parents were together and now they're not, it must be me. (laughs) Like there's no in between, (laughs) there's no logic that goes into it. It's all emotion based that it just, it, it terrifies them. And, you know, I, I've been working in the field for about, wow, almost 11 years now Man, wow. time flies. <laughs> and, and all of the kids that have gone through their parents' divorce, it's a lot of this, this self-dread and the stress and the, I mean, it's, Perfectionism. it's, it's, you have to do it to a T it has to be perfect to the point where if you know it can't be done perfectly, you just won't do it. It, it just was so overwhelming. You would just break down and be like, I, I just can't do it or procrastinate or whatever happens. But especially, you know, bringing up that whole people pleasing thing is I never, if my step siblings were in the middle of doing something, like I didn't want to leave in the middle of it because I always felt like I was missing out in one place or the other. So I didn't want to say, Hey, you know, if I leave later, I'm going to be exhausted so I would, I would stick it out and then they'd bring me home. And as soon as I got home, I'd burst into tears. Yeah. And my mom would say over and over, why didn't you say anything to anyone and ask to come home earlier? And I said, well, I didn't want to ruin it for everyone else. And it was always the case. I didn't want to ruin it, but I just became this little girl that cared so much more about pleasing the family. And when someone, once you're school age, it becomes, I want to please my friends. I want to please, you know, my peers. I want to make them happy. My my teachers, teachers. I want to be their best student. You, you just keep putting so much pressure that eventually you either implode, explode, or both. 
And it's just so much. And you just, I, I hope from this discussion that parents are getting that their children are bigger than the fight between the two of them. And if they can come together and make their child's life easier, they're doing their job as parents. Hera doesn't remember saying this to me, but about 11 years old, right after the uh, custody case was over and we're sitting in the bed of her room, my daughter looks at me and says, mom, do you know the, the biggest gift you've ever given me? And I'm thinking, no. And she says, you loving yourself. And I almost fell off the bed, like out of the, out of the, you know, mouths of babes. So through all this horrendous process where I was terrified what I might have sounded like or looked like to her, she got the core of who I am was that I was, I was not only going to get through this, but I was going to make her life safe too. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but somehow I did it. And for me, that just felt like a report card in a way, like somehow I pulled it off in spite of all the nastiness. There are some, some moments like that. I mean, I've felt them too. I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, I think you were in third grade and we had the kittens and it was in the house we lived in before I met Pete mm -hmm. or when we met Pete and you come home from school. I remember the outfit you're wearing and everything <laughs> and you're laying on the floor petting the cats. And you said, mom, you know how, if you don't pet cats in a nice way, they'll turn out mean. And I said, yeah. And you said, that's what I would be like if I didn't live here. Wow. And so, which sounds so dark and yeah. it makes it sound like your dad's <laughs> some sort of evil person. He's not, but I mean, like you what for whatever reason were telling me like you know how you treat me makes me feel loved and makes me mm -hmm. you know be my best self that's how i interpret it do you remember saying that no and i remember like first of all it's like shocking to have this i think you were you know probably eight mm -hmm. say that and then and then you have the pang of like well what what's happening when you're not with me right and then there's knowing like there's there's kind of the reality of what's happening. And then there's the, your interpretation mm -hmm. of what's happening, which matters. Right. You know? And so, but I remember that moment thinking like, oh, and then I remember same year you telling me when I told you to study for your spelling test, you said, I can't study for my spelling test because my parents are divorced. And I was like, <laughs> pretty sure you can study for your spelling test. And I was like, we're not I using to do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're no. not using your parents being divorced and why you can like, not study. That when it came to things I didn't want to go to, I would do that. Like, oh, I can't, it's mom. Like I'll be with my mom or I'll be with my dad. So I can't go to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, if there's divorce becomes a good excuse. Yeah, I was gonna say if there's any any small window of benefit, take advantage. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever used the divorce aside from trying to get out of spelling, studying spelling test? Have you ever used the divorces? I think there's been times where I've done the thing where I've been like, oh, well, no, my mom, so I don't know if I can really, or I'm with my dad, and you guys live pretty close, like very yeah, close we, now. We live like not even three miles but away like, from each oh, other. Like when I was younger, you lived a little bit further. And so it was kind of like, so my friends would be like, oh, we can swing by and pick you up from your dad's house. And I was like, oh, well, I'm at my mom's house. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll see you next week. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did that mean you didn't want to go? Or you no, were? well, it's just kind of like, 
I was at my mom's house, so it wasn't going to work out. Like, yeah. that's the reality. Is I, it, I mean, honestly, it felt like I lived two different lives. Like, I had my life in my dad's house where there was, you know, bigger family, more social events. More money. More, yeah, that kind of stuff. And then I had my mom's where it was more like we were more introverted. We spent a lot of nights just eating candy and watching TV. <laughs> Boy, you make us sound I like. I mean, ice cream, not candy. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right in that. Your stepdad and I are very family oriented. We like mm -hmm. each other best. Yeah, but we like are. we have our small little group. Whereas like my dad's, we kind of branch out and we're more there's social. A, and parties. More, and, yeah, mm -hmm. and so you kind of have to live that kind of life where you have to be more animated and more. You're an introverted extrovert, <laughs> but then you know what, Anna? I would look at that as I've got the best of both worlds. Yeah, but when you want one world, when you're at the other world, and then it's just frustrating and. A hundred percent. I mean, the same thing here is when I was at my mom's house, I was the only child and I love that. But there were times I was like, I'm bored. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> and then I would go to my dad's house and be around all my siblings. But then I'm like, I'm used to being on my own. And it's just, you know, I did get the best of both worlds that I got to be a sibling and then be on my own. But there were times where, you know, when, when there's certain social events, you right. want more people around and more more people at the party type of thing. So right. I, I totally get where you're coming from about feeling like you were in two different worlds completely, no matter how far away. My my parents lived 15 minutes apart from each other, but you wouldn't know it. You would think right. it was, it was like big difference in, in two states. In worlds. <laughs> Do you feel that way now? Like you have two different lives? No, I don't anymore, but things have changed a lot since I was younger. Yeah. So that is true. Yeah. And with you, the whole driving thing, mm -hmm. you have a job, you earn your, your own money as far as like spending money and stuff. You do have a choice of where you sleep at night. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's very different now. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Normally, Anna, you don't say that much about your personal experience. Yeah. I think Kara's bringing this out in you because she's sharing your life. Well, it's really nice to like relate to someone about it. <laughs> you, girl, you girls could start your own group. Yeah. yeah, we can start our own podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to make sure that folks out there are, you know, tuning in and like kind of hearing about this resource that we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about the broader story that you're telling and the experiences that, you know, Karen and I share as parents who've, who've gone through divorce and raising our kids, especially daughters. And then you younger women who are have experienced your parents divorcing. And even though you have very different experiences with Anna being in like that 50, 50, you know, very involved dad circumstance and Hera, yours looking differently. I think we've both gone through the conflict. We, you know, there's court cases, our kid, Karen, our kids knew about it, you know, kind of always being in a space where you're open to discussion and recognizing that, you know, whatever emotions kids have, they also don't necessarily stay stable. So we have a, have a kid one day who is really sitting there thinking, why can't my parents be together? And why can't I be like my friend's family where the mom and dad live in the same house? And then there are other days where it's like, well, now I have a new little sister and I wouldn't have her if I didn't, if my parents weren't together and, you know, and, or if they hadn't been apart and remarried. I think of like all the people that have been added to your life mm -hmm. as a result of like me remarrying, your dad remarrying, and how close you are to some of those people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's just kind of life changing. But the book is called "My Parents Are Getting a Divorce." I wonder what will happen to me. It's very interactive. 
that the kind of the, the, the age range that it's most appropriate for is ages four to 12. Authors are Karen Kay and Hera Wachholder. And it's got some really great illustrations. It's not so hefty that it's intimidating. It's really visually appealing. There's, you know, like I said, the the illustrator is um, Samuel Wilson. And so each page, I feel each page kind of has the potential to start a conversation. And I think for me, as I look at this resource, I could see myself as a therapist working through it where we do a page or two and we talk about those things and then we set it aside and, and bring it out another day versus thinking thinking of it as a resource that has to be digested all in one sitting. The aspect, Kara, of the book that is the most important is for children who really don't know what they feel. So just by speaking about general feelings, it gives the welcome to any feeling connected to this topic or hopefully any topic. But we're hoping that the children can relate enough to see themselves on the pages and be willing even if they only acknowledge it to themselves, that it's okay to have these feelings and I'm not crazy, I'm not alone. A lot of children have no place to talk about feelings at all. Absolutely. Well, is there any final thoughts that you want to add to this discussion today? Any of you, all three of you, Anna and you, Karen. I just really appreciate the dynamic that we have here. This was really <laughs> unique and, and really exciting for us as well to communicate with mothers and daughters and, and, and you therapists. know, and therapists. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was really amazing to kind of see, you know, where Anna is right now, just getting that, that taste of that freedom of, of making her own decisions. And I remember that moment and it's just nice to mm-hmm. kind of, connect with her on that and remember all the different things that she is in, in this moment, as well as in past moments. It's just nice to connect with a a kindred spirit of sorts on that. And Anna, I think the best is yet to come as you get more and more freedoms to incorporate your old soul of what you've learned. And it will even out over the years And you'll be ahead, as I believe Hera was a little ahead of her friends and knowing herself and figuring herself out. And that will help in relationships to come. Yeah, thank you. I hope you feel very hopeful and encouraged by this. Yes, I do. This is great. Instead of being being told, like, you're definitely going to be... Messed no up. damage. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> you could hear like, "Look at this. Will have helped you gain resilience. You're so mature. Connect. Independent. <laughs> yeah. Be self-reflective. Down just in case you forget them. Yeah. 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 yeah right. I'm still me. We could all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's true. Well, I I just want to say thank you again, both of you, for being part of this episode. And you know, we have episodes every Wednesday. We're in season five. Mm-hmm. What do you think? We're like halfway through a season five. Yeah. And you know, I'm a big fan of talking about divorce, considering that is a huge portion of my work. And so it's really great to talk to other therapists and and experts out there. We all obviously have a different a different take on things based on our training, on our experience, on the practices that we work in. My practice is called Egan Counseling and Consulting, and we are located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we're in the process of hiring new associates. So if you are a therapist out there and you have 
licensure or potential to be licensed in North Carolina and you're like, wow, Tara's really cool and I want to go work with her, then come to my website, www.egancounselingandconsulting.com. Send me an email. Let me know you're interested and you can join the team and recognize like there's all these families out there who could benefit from, you know, support, whether it's divorce or any other, any other issue that impacts children's mental health. You know, we're out there. There's, there's people who can support your family, can support your children. And once again, thank you everyone for tuning in this week. If somebody wants to reach me, it's, I need to spell my last name because it's K-A-R-E-N. K-A-Y-E therapist.com and the book's website is I'm still me book.com. And and to find you on Instagram too. I think that's a really great resource for yeah, people to connect Instagram, with you. Instagram, we are at I'm still me book. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, thank you ladies so much for being part of our episode thank today. Thank you. All right. Love you, mom. Love you too, sweetie.